And we're just so grateful for it. And as we share your word today, as it goes forth, we trust that the people will hear it, be receptive to it, and be encouraged by it. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Mark, the 16th chapter. Mark, the 16th chapter. Jesus, having died on the cross some three days prior and been buried, dead for three days and three nights, in Mark 16, verse 1, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. That's his dead body. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Now, they ask a question, who will roll away the stone? Now, notice in Matthew 28, verse 2, we'll see the answer to their question. Matthew 28, verse 2, and behold... There was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. Now, a lot of times people think that that's the angel, but the angel sitting on the stone. He took up the best seat in the house. And I believe verse three is where Jesus walked out of the tomb because the phrasing and the way that it describes this individual is not necessarily like an angel would be described, but it's the way Jesus is described other places in Scripture. I believe verse 3 is where Jesus walked out of that tomb alive, and his countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. So the women wanted to know who is going to roll back the stone. Of course, we see the answer to their question. It was the angel. And then Jesus comes walking out, countenance like lightning, clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. They they bit the dust. The angel answered, and in the meantime, the women showed up there. The angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Can you say amen? As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So, of course, Jesus had been raised from the dead. You know, his death, burial and resurrection are the most significant events of all time that have ever taken place in all of history. And on the day that Jesus rose from the dead and for the next 40 days, he made numerous appearances to his disciples Now, today, I want to look at four of his post-resurrection appearances as found in John's gospel account because they address four great enemies of the heart, which are sorrow, fear, doubt, and worry. So let's begin in John chapter 20 and verse 11 and see how his resurrection dealt with sorrow. Notice John 20 verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. This is Mary Magdalene. She's standing outside the tomb weeping. 
And as she wept, notice she was full of sorrow. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is teacher. Now, you need to understand who this woman was. She was once under the control of seven demons. Jesus freed her from this demonic power. As a result, she fell in, in love with Jesus and committed her life in service to him. But now her Lord had been crucified. And to further add to her sorrow, his body was now missing. Her heart was broken and filled with sorrow. Sorrow had gripped her and her grief was overbearing. Now, you know, all of us have been there at some time or another in the midst of great sorrow, the worst of which is death, the death of a loved one. Has anyone ever experienced besides me the death of a loved one? Well, this was the case with Mary. Now, when you lose a loved one, you think of all the good times you shared with that person that you've lost. You think of how they helped you and blessed you. Just as I'm sure Mary thought about how Jesus had set her free from the power of the devil. And all the good times that she had listening to him teach the word of God and bless people. And the fellowship that she had with him. And, and, and she's in, in, in grief and sorrow. You know many in the world today have no hope and their hearts are troubled. And filled with sorrow and grief. But in a moment of time, because of the resurrection, her great sorrow was turned into great joy as the resurrected Jesus Christ stood before her. In the midst of her sorrow, the Lord asked her a question. Why do you weep? A question he asked all of us in times of sorrow. The reason being is that because of his resurrection, he has banished the power of sorrow for all who really believe in him. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. This post-resurrection appearance of Jesus Christ to Mary shows us that we need not be sorrowful even in death because he has provided us hope of the resurrection. Glory to God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has broken the power of sorrow. So that's one enemy of the heart that the resurrection of Jesus deals with, sorrow. Now the next one is fear. Look at verse 19, John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. See, Jesus was raised early in the morning. Now this is later that evening, Sunday evening. Being the first day of the week. When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear. Notice they were shut in for fear. For fear of the Jews, notice Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. 
When he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, notice a second time, peace to you. You see, everything had been turned upside down for the disciples and their confidence was shaken. They had been serving the Lord Jesus and now he'd been crucified and and uh, put in the tomb. And there, have you ever had your world turned upside down? Just you're going right along and everything's fine. Next thing you know, your head's where your feet were. You're just upside down. Just the affairs of life can hit you. And that's that's how they felt. They're in fear because, you know, they're shut in. They're fearful because Jesus had just been put to death and perhaps they're next to be put to death. Much fear. Anybody been in fear besides me? It's a horrible thing. It has torment. Now, the fear the disciples were dealing with was a test of their faith. You see, faith and fear cannot exist together. They knew the Lord had told them that he would die for man's sin and be resurrected. Yet they were human. How many humans do we have in here? They were just as human as you as you and I. And they let the the circumstances of the day rob them of their faith and their joy. But all of a sudden, just like with Mary... All of a sudden, the resurrected Lord stood before them. Jesus appeared in their midst and he said, peace be with you. In the midst of their fear, Jesus says, peace. And then he repeated this, which shows the great degree the Lord did not want them to be fearful. This was telling them that everything was going to be all right, that he had conquered death, hell and the grave And they didn't have to be afraid anymore, but they could be at rest in the peace of God. And I'm here today to tell you that because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not have to be afraid anymore. Because he's conquered death, hell, and the grave. Glory to God. Now the third enemy of the heart is doubt. Notice here in verse 24. Now Thomas... Called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So we just read about Jesus appearing to them. Well, when he appeared to him, we just read about it. Thomas wasn't there. So now Thomas called the twin, verse 24. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails... And put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. Pretty blunt. Now notice verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas. Now this time Thomas is with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And he said to Thomas, now notice this, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
You see, this post-resurrection appearance of Jesus Christ deals with perhaps the greatest enemy of all, doubt. You see, doubt is the absence of faith. It takes faith to please God. And it takes faith to receive from God. It takes faith in Jesus to be saved. You see, the Bible says that to be saved, one must believe in their heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore, you see, doubt is the greatest enemy that we'll ever face. Now, perhaps the main reason for this post-resurrection appearance was for the benefit of Thomas. Jesus did not just write Thomas off, but out of great love, he appeared to him so that he would no longer doubt, but would believe. As Thomas beheld the Lord and touched his hands and side, he believed and he called Jesus Lord and God. You see, this appearance to Thomas, now listen to this, this appearance to Thomas took one who is known as the doubter. How many have ever heard of doubting Thomas? Well, this appearance of Jesus after he was raised from the dead took the one who is known as the doubter And made him one of the greatest voices for proving the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Eight days before, I will not believe. But now we have the doubter who's calling Jesus my Lord and my God. Glory to God. One of the greatest voices for doubt has now become one of the greatest voices That proves the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, this post-resurrection appearance of Christ dealt doubt a lethal blow. And the final enemy of the heart that I want to talk about today is worry. Has anybody ever worried besides me? You know, worry is like paying mortgage payments on a loan that you may never have to borrow. Did you get what I just said? Worry is a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing. It'll put wrinkles on your face and gray hair on your head if you had any hair. But Jesus, through his resurrection, dealt worry a lethal blow as well. In John 21, verse 1, notice this. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. See, Jesus appeared to his disciples many times after he was raised from the dead, as I said earlier. But notice here. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, who we just read about. Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got in the, into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast uh, the net. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. 
Glory to God. Now, verse 9. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus already had, uh, had, had the food there. Uh, barbecuing, I suppose. You didn't know Jesus was a barbecuer, did you? Isn't that what the Bible said, verse 9? Then, as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. I like the way the King James Version says, come and dine. That's a good thing when Jesus says to you, come and dine. You see, this fishing that they, that they went to do was not for sport. But as a means to make a living. See, they had been fishermen. How many of you remember that? They were fishermen when Jesus called them to follow him. And they left their boats and their nets and they followed him. How many of you remember that about three and a half years earlier? You see, this fishing was not for sport, but as a means to make a living and to care for their families. See, they didn't know how they were going to provide for their families. Because, you see, for the last three and a half years, they had worked in Jesus' ministry as his disciples. But now, you see, a difficult time has come. You know, for three and a half years, they followed Jesus around and they assisted him and they helped him. But now... He's been crucified. Of course, he's been raised from the dead. And that's wonderful and that's great. But now what are they going to do? What are they going to do? It's a difficult time. An easy place to be for worry to get in. What are we going to do for a job? We worked for Jesus for three and a half years. Now we're out of a job. What are we going to do? You see, during this difficult time, it's interesting, they returned to what they had been doing before Jesus called them to follow him. They were fishermen, so they went back to it. I don't believe they went back just for sport. I believe they went back to the thing that they were doing before Jesus called them. I know I've thought about this over the years at different times. By and large, pastoring this church has been wonderful. But, you know, when you do anything for, what has it been, 20 plus years, there have been times along the way where you hit a bump in the road and things get a little difficult or this or that. Has anybody ever gone through that besides me? And uh, there's been times where I've said to my wife, see, I was a school teacher before I went into the ministry. And I didn't go into the ministry because I wanted to or because I thought it would be a good idea or a neat idea or something good to do. I went in because God called, called me to it, you see. Do you understand that? And uh, that's the reason we did it. And uh, see, because I always wanted to just be a math teacher and uh, teach at junior college, which I, I got to do some, to, mostly at the junior high level. I like teaching junior college better than junior high. <laughs> you wonder why. But a lot of good junior high kids too. You know, certainly. But there's been times over the last 20 years where I've said to my wife, you know, I'll just, I'm just going to go back and teach school. And then I think about the, uh, the junior high students and I think, no, I just think I'll stay in the ministry. And, <laughs> and I'm a lot of good junior high kids though, a lot of good ones, you know. Some. No, there's lots of good ones. But seriously, 
You know, you think about going back to the to the thing you had done before. It's interesting, three and a half years prior, if you think about it, remember when Jesus came to them and it was time for them to leave the fishing boats and go in and serve Jesus? Remember, they, were, they caught nothing. Do you remember that? Remember that? Now they've gone back to it and guess what? They again, what? Caught nothing. And they wouldn't because that's not what God wanted them to do. And if I went back teaching school... I'd have caught nothing, except probably a lot, a lot of problems. Maybe some spitballs or something, you know. No, don't go back to that thing you were doing before God called you to do what he's called you to do. Stick with what he's called you to do and stick with it until he tells you to do something else. Did you hear me? Just stick with it. Just stick with it. Just stick with it. But you see... I'm confident they were thinking, what are we going to do here? Now, now Jesus, you know, we served him three and a half years. What are we going to do? 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 Again, has anybody, anybody ever been there besides me? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Worry. Worry, worry, worry. What are we going to do? So they went back fishing. Now they caught nothing. But thank God Jesus showed up. How many of you can say amen to that? Thank God Jesus showed up. He showed up. And let me just read here from my notes. You see, the resurrected Christ stood on the shore asking them if they had any food. And in this statement, Jesus was directly addressing their livelihood. Do you have any food? You Essentially, you fished all night. Do you have any food? Do you, have any, do you catch anything? Are you going to be able to provide for your, you and your families? Going back to the thing that I haven't called you to do? And their answer was was no. But Jesus shows up. He tells them to cast their net. And they do. And they catch a bunch of fish. And that's wonderful. But when they came ashore, Jesus already had the fire going, didn't he? He already had the fish and the bread going, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Oh, yeah. And he said, come and dine. You see, Jesus did not invite them to an empty table. Jesus never invites us to an empty table. He's always got the table full. Glory to God. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, yeah. And a lot of times he'll set that table up right in the presence of your enemies. Glory to God. And instead of worrying, just, you know, sit down and eat and invite your enemies up too and bless them. Is that right? Glory to God. But you see... They were worried. They didn't catch anything. What are we going to do? How are we going to provide? But Jesus, the resurrected Lord, shows up and invites them to come and dine. And when they get up there, the table is already set, so to speak. He already had the provision there. Glory to God. And so it is with our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, this post-resurrection appearance of Jesus tells us we need not worry. We need not fret. We need not take care. Because no matter what the problems of life we face, Jesus has already handled the situation and made the provision. So we see that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has dealt with these four enemies of the heart. Sorrow, fear, doubt, and worry. He has dealt them a lethal blow. And we can say sorrow, 
fear, doubt and worry be gone. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Glory to God. Say it with me. Say sorrow, fear, doubt, worry be gone. Jesus has risen from the dead. One more time. Sorrow, fear, doubt, worry be gone. Because Jesus has risen from the dead. Glory to God. Stand with me if you would. Did you get anything out of this today? See, you don't have to preach long to encourage people, do you? Glory to God. Heads bowed and eyes closed, please. Glory to God. You know, Jesus told Doubting Thomas, as we said... As you stand there with heads bowed and eyes closed in the presence of a holy God. He told Thomas, he said, because you've seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And of course, Thomas, as we said earlier, called Jesus my Lord and my God. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to pose a question to you. A question that Pontius Pilate asked. And it's the most riveting question that will ever be asked. And it's a question that all of us must answer. Now Pilate asked several questions of Jesus and what not. But one of the questions that he asked, he said, what shall I do with this Jesus who is called Christ? And I want to ask you, what will you do with this Jesus who is called Christ? Will you receive him? Will you believe upon him from your heart and be saved? Miss hell, make heaven. Are you, or will you reject him? Be like Thomas, refused to believe at first. Remember, he refused to believe. And if, if you take that position, there's nothing good ahead. But you don't have to take that position. You can believe, receive Jesus like Thomas did. And call him my Lord and my God. And if you'll do that in a moment of time, you'd be saved. The thing that concerns me is certainly when someone rejects Jesus, but there's something else that concerns me. You must remember what Pilate did. Pilate tried to stay neutral. If you read the gospel accounts, you'll see Pilate tried to stay neutral. And he washed his hands of the situation. He didn't want to crucify Jesus. He wanted to release him. But the crowd, you know, they egged him on. And he tried to stay neutral in it. And ultimately he washed his hands. Listen, don't stay neutral. Don't neglect to receive Jesus. Don't try to stay neutral. You can't stay neutral on this question. I've said this for years. I'll say it again. To neglect Jesus is to reject him. To stay neutral is to reject. You must make a decision for Jesus.
to miss hell and make heaven, you must be like Thomas and believe and receive Jesus. Don't be like Pilate. Don't wash your hands of the situation. Don't try to stay neutral. Don't, don't neglect. And whatever you do, don't, don't reject Jesus outright. Don't, 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 don't stay neutral. I'm asking you today to make a decision for Jesus. Remember the jailer when Paul and Silas were in prison. And there was that earthquake and whatnot. The jailer asked them, what, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they answered and said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So that's what I want to ask everybody in here to do today. Before we leave, if you haven't already. I realize most of you have already made a decision for Jesus and you've received him. But perhaps there's some in here who have not. So what I want to do is, right, as we dis, right before we dismiss... I want to lead you in a congregational prayer. I want everyone to pray this along with me. Now listen, just praying this prayer will not save you. But if you'll pray this prayer and mean it from your heart, be sincere and honest about it and and believe from your heart, then you'll be saved. And then what I'm going to ask you to do is when we dismiss, just walk up here to the front and tell one of these nice people that you received Jesus. And they'll rejoice with you and they'll share some information with you that will help you in your walk with the Lord. So now just everybody pray this after me. If you're already saved, go ahead and pray it again. It will help those and encourage those who, who are doing this for the first time. Maybe you've walked with the Lord at one time, you've got away from Him a little bit. You need to get back close with Him. Pray this prayer and you'll you'll get right back close with Him. So say this. Say, God in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I realize I cannot save myself, but I need Jesus. I turn from my sins and I ask you to forgive me. I believe in my heart That Jesus is the Lord. He's the Christ. He died for me. He shed his blood for me. He was buried. And he was raised from the dead. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I confess you as my Lord. Wash me in your holy blood. Right now. I'm born again. I'm saved. I'll miss hell. I'll make heaven. And my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I have your word on it, Lord. And I'll never doubt it. And I'll go forth from here. And I'll serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, somebody say Jesus is alive. alive. Well, thanks for coming today. I'm glad you were here. If you made Jesus your Lord, come up, tell one of these nice people before you leave. Otherwise, tell somebody Jesus is alive. Be dismissed and have a great rest of the day. Amen.